This is a podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. I'm delighted to be joined by Donna Smiley, uh, feature writer for Take a Break magazine. Hello, Donna. Hi there, how are you? I'm good, thanks, I'm good. I'm just remembering that that um, song used to be mm-hmm. an advert for a deodorant. I don't know if you remember it. I don't actually. No, no, no it used to be uh, an advert for a deodorant years and years and years ago. And every time I hear the song now, I think of the deodorant oh, instead yeah, of I thinking of <laughs> Have you been busy this week? Yeah, quite busy. We're um, coming up obviously to Easter, so we've done about three issues. So we're all like, ah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah, you... It's all been fun. <laughs> oh, good, good. Well, listen, it's great to have you here. It really, really is. It's always lovely to have you on the programme, Donna. We've got some fabulous stories this week. Uh, very, very well written, as always. And uh, we're going to start off with our first one, which is the real life Scooby Doo. Yep. So this is by Sean Barrett. As the litter of puppies clambered over each other, one in particular kept making her heart squeeze. He had big sad eyes and a gentle nature, and she knew she could never give him away. Her husband Wayne, however, wasn't as enthusiastic. We've already got two great Danes, he said, and a boy dog will grow even bigger. Sean looked across at their two dogs, Echo and Daisy, who were snuggled up with her daughter Levi. Well, at least she won't be the only man in the house, she said. You've got a point, Wayne said, and maybe he'll guard the house, unlike this soppy pair. So that was that. They decided to call their new pup Presley, as he was born on the 8th of January, the same as Elvis. As the rest of the litter found homes, Presley made himself comfortable. He loved being fussed over by her and his mum and Graham. The three dogs sat next to each other at night and enjoyed bounding around in the garden. But cute puppies soon become big hounds, and within the blink of an eye, Presley became a colossus. By the time he was three, he was six foot tall on his hind legs and weighed 13 stone. You're not mummy's little baby, and more are you sean said she caressed his velvety ears he needed lots of long walks to run off all that energy one afternoon sean got his lead and went to the drawer for a plastic bag in case she needed it as presley heard the rustle of the plastic he ran out of the room you funny thing she said it's only a bag sean tucked it into her pocket and her and way made their way to the park by now presley was the size of a small horse and made a formidable sight a couple of people crossed the street to avoid him sean thought if only they knew he was scared of a plastic bag. They reached the park and were making their way down the path when Sean spotted a West Highland white terrier and its owner coming towards them. The smaller dog saw Presley and began to bark. Sean was scared that Presley would have the poor little thing for breakfast so she gripped his lead ready to pull him back. But instead of standing his ground, Presley scurried backwards and hid behind her until the Westie had padded off. Wayne and Sean began to laugh. You can't be scared of that little thing, she said. Back at home, Sean got out the vacuum and when she switched it on, Presley bolted from the room. Whoever heard of such a cowardly big dog, Wayne said. I, she had. She remembered the fam- most famous Great Dane of all, Scooby-Doo. Presley was the same. He'd leap into her arms with fear if he could. Maybe it comes with the breed, she said, as Presley peered timidly round the doorframe. They realised they'd never be able to count on him to defend the house or protect them from muggers, but they didn't mind. Sean would have swapped that for snuggles on the sofa any day. And Presley was definitely keen on those. He was always climbing onto Sean's lap and bedding down until her legs got pins and needles. If she got up from the sofa, he'd follow her around her home, as if to say, where are you going, Mum? Then a representative from Discover Dogs Exhibition got in touch with Sean, wanting an example of how well-behaved Great Danes are. Presley's perfect for this job, Sean said, as long as you don't put him near any Westies. Why does he chase them around, the woman asked. It's the other way round, Sean said. At the show, Presley loved the attention as visitors came up to meet him. Then a woman asked if her daughter, who was severely disabled in a wheelchair, could pat him. 
Sean was a bit worried as the girl seemed agitated. She didn't know how Presley would react. But as if by magic, Presley padded over and put his head on the edge of the fence. The woman put the girl's hand on his soft head. As she gently patted it, she became visibly calmer. I'm so proud of you, Sean told Presley. I'll get you a special treat later. Woof, he said. She felt as if Presley had found his purpose in life. He was a doggy ambassador, showing the world what a great companion a great Dane can make. One thing's for sure, he's a lover, not a fighter. Presley's temperament certain doesn't match his size, but Sean's not really sure how wary of his how big he is. It's quite comical, she says, really. But she wouldn't change him for the world. He's a gentle giant at heart and the best dog she could ever ask for. Oh, he sounds absolutely gorgeous. He's so cute. There's pictures of him. So she's on the sofa and he literally is like five times the size of her. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you know something? Um, I have to say that um, my guide dog, Lucas, no, yeah. he's he's great in, in many ways, but he would be frightened of a plastic bag really? or oh. um, yeah, other other dogs. He's not yeah, keen on, no. on other dogs barking at him. Oh, he would him. be very submissive in that yeah. kind of way. Um oh. But yeah, yeah, oh, they're just gorgeous. I love dogs. Absolutely I love, love dogs, them. Yeah. I'd love to have 10 dogs. <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely. Did you grow up with dogs? No, <laughs> I didn't. I was never allowed one. I had a bunny rabbit, but no dogs. No. Oh, you have to get a dog. <laughs> now that you're an adult, you have to get I a dog. Will, as soon as. <laughs> yeah, I always say that, but I can't at the minute. But I'd love a doggy. <laughs> oh, well, listen, let's move on to our next story. Is this an animal themed? Uh, <laughs> an animal themed magazine? This rat on the rampage. Do you mean a rat or a love rat? So this is a love rat. Right, one, okay. Yeah. Rat, be, be slightly worrying. <laughs> so this story is by Nicola McBride. Nicola lifted up one side of the cot and her best friend Sue took the other. They huffed and puffed their way up the stairs. Almost there, Nicola said, as they entered the spare room. They put the cot down next to the bed and Sue said, Thanks, again, you're a lifesaver. It's nothing, she replied. You'd have done the same for me. Nicola and Sue had been pals since nursery school. So when she'd found herself with a baby and no place to go, Nicola had welcomed them into her home. But not everyone was happy about it. In bed that night, Nicola's fiancé, Tony, said, how long is she staying? Just until she finds her feet, Nicola said. The truth be known, Nicola loved having Sue there. She helped around the house and was always there for a good natter. One evening, over a glass of wine, they got chatting about Tony. He used to treat me like royalty, Nicola said, but he's changed. How do you mean, Sue asked. It hates me doing anything without him, Nicola said. Sometimes I feel work is my only escape. And soon she found herself with even more of an excuse as she had to take a second job to pay off debts. Tony didn't work because he said the jobs he'd been offered were beneath him. Then he and Sue were at home together all day. At first, Nicola was worried that they wouldn't get on. But as the weeks passed, another concern began to form in her mind. She started to notice little glances between the two of them and they'd share private jokes. She couldn't shake the feeling that they were up to no good. So one evening she confronted Tony. She said, Is something going on between you and Sue? Of course not, Tony said. I'd never do that to you. But still, she was relieved when Sue found somewhere else to live and moved out with her baby. After that, Nicola hoped things would return to normal. But Tony continued to act strangely, clinging to his phone for dear life and spending most evenings out with his friends. Eventually, she had enough and one evening she told him, things have to change or we're through. She expected Tony to apologise, but instead he turned on her. Who else would want you, he snarled, fat cow. She gasped as though she'd been slapped in the face. At 16 stone, she knew she was on the larger side, but she never thought she'd hear that from her Tony. Next morning, he was full of apologies, but his words still stung. So Nicola decided to join a slimming club. Over the next few weeks, she was careful what she ate and the weight melted off. 
She even joined a gym and got a personal trainer. But it seemed to enrage Tony. He said, you're sleeping with your trainer. I know you are. Don't be ridiculous, Nicola said. He's gay. Besides, that makes no difference, Tony said. I know you slept with him. Nicola ignored him and 18 months on, she'd lost six stone. To celebrate, she went out and brought herself some new clothes and a pair of killer heels. She'd always loved shoes and had a master collection of over 40 pairs. Her friends were amazed at her transformation. However, Tony barely said a word. And when he came home, after a boozy night out smelling of perfume, it was the final straw. Nicola sent him a text message. I can't do this anymore. I'm giving you a month to get yourself sorted. Then I want you out. Nicola packed a bag and moved out of her home in London Derry and in with her aunt. That night, Tony rang her and said, please come back. But she replied, too little, too late. Tony didn't get the message, however, and over the next three weeks, he inundated her with messages and calls. Then a few days before he was due to move out, a friend rang her and told her to log on to Facebook. Nicola sat down at her computer and navigated to Tony's profile. He'd written, three days to D-Day, she frowned. What on earth was he talking about? On the morning Tony was due to move out, Nicola went to the gym. While she was there, her phone went beep because she received a message. Tony had sent a photo of himself at an airport. It also written, I wish you were here, I'm going to Spain. Half of her wondered how he'd had the money for a holiday, but the other half walked good riddance to bad rubbish. Then Nicola heard her phone beep again. This time Tony had sent her a video message. It showed him walking onto a plane and sitting down. In the background she could hear the flight attendant giving the safety announcement. Tony said, good luck wearing your clothes, you fatty. And then he added, and yes, I did sleep with Sue. It took Nicola a minute to register what had actually happened. Then a thought struck her, she had to get home quickly. Nicola called her dad and hopped into her car and set off. As she turned into a road, her heart was in her mouth. Her dad was waiting with her uncle and as she drew up, she could see that the windows of her house were open. She got out of the car and said, something is really wrong. Don't worry, her dad said, whatever it is, we'll sort it. She unlocked the door and stepped inside. Everything looked fine, but as she entered the living room, she clasped her hand to her mouth. The place was a tip. All her furniture had been spray-painted and the cables of her appliances had been cut and all her photo frames were smashed. She started to sob. Why has he done this, she said. Dad took her hand and said, he won't get away with this. But upstairs there was more devastation. Her bed had been slashed and her makeup was coated in hot pepper sauce. Then she opened her wardrobe and let out a cry. Her clothes were still hanging, but every item had been burnt along with one shoe of every pair she owned. Her dad said, I'm calling the police. Ten minutes later, four officers arrived. One asked, do you know who did this? Oh yes, she said. His name is Tony McCoy. She gave a statement and the damage was estimated at £6,000. She was livid. Tony hadn't lifted a finger while she'd worked two jobs to keep a roof over the head. Now he'd just destroyed everything in one fell swoop. Thankfully, Nicola's family and friends rallied round and helped her clean up. They donated furniture and clothes and helped her get back on her feet. But there was one friend who didn't get in touch. And that was Sue. She hadn't given her a second thought because she'd been so busy. But then she sent her a message asking for the truth about her and Tony. After repeatedly denying it, she eventually came clean. They'd been friends for 19 years. Nicola had taken her when she was at her lowest ebb and this is how she'd repaid her. By sleeping with her fiancé. It was the final straw. She tapped out a message, I never want to see you again. In time, Anthony McCoy was summoned to appear before Derry Magistrates, charged with criminal damage and theft of a laptop. But he didn't turn up. Instead, the court heard the case in his absence. Tony's video messages to her were shown, along with the photos of the damage done to her house. Tony's defence solicitor said he'd not turned up as he'd feared for his safety, but the court was told that the video he'd sent was a clear indication that he'd caused the damage. The judge agreed. He said, 
He's clearly guilty, short of paying compensation in full. I don't see how this man will avoid a custodial sentence, but we'll have to get our hands on him first. And that's the problem. Tony is still missing. Nicola hopes that someone reading Take a Break will recognise him and turn him in. She says that man has caused me a lot of heartache and he deserves to pay. Do you know something? You can, you just never understand how at the end of a relationship where people have once been very much in love mm, and mm. been, you know, best friends, how yeah. they can actually do that to each other. I know, exactly. It's awful, isn't it? Especially to turn and then he never worked and then to trash the house and everything. It's just not on, is it? Well, this is the, the one thing. that cheated. It's like... Well, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they were obviously, you know so close at one point and yeah. I, I, I just don't understand that I've been in acrimonious splits yeah. as well um, from boyfriends mm. and it's it's kind of gone horribly yeah. uh, and and you kind of wonder you know we used to really love each other you yeah know? No, exactly it's, it's weird how things can change and how somebody can change so quickly isn't it yes well I tell you something if anybody does recognize this horrible yeah. man Bring the police. <laughs> yes definitely let's get him you know sorted for what definitely. he's done I wonder uh, if he's still in Spain mm, he could be he yeah, could that's be what I it's a bit more, doesn't it what a rotter. I love Hello. that indeed. I love that indeed. Listen, <laughs> Donna, it's always great talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us here today on Insight Radio. And obviously the brand new copy is out, so please it do is. go and get it. Um, if you can and you want to take a look online, it's a fully accessible website. Have you got the web address, Donna? I have. It's www.takeabreak.co.uk. Brilliant. Listen, you right. have a great week and have a great you Easter. Too. We'll see you yeah, really have soon. A Easter. See you soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to this podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. For more podcasts, check out insightradio.co.uk.